1: So we have Ranginui, which is the sky. We have Papatuanuku, which is the ground. We have Tane Mahuta, who are the trees, the insects. We have Tawhiri Matia, who is the wind. We do have Rongomotane. We have, I think it was Uenuku. We have Tangarotu. too,
2: ocean.
3: And are all these things, Connected?
1: Yeah. There's a book about them and how they tried to separate their parents to make the world. And they all connect because they're all family too.
3: That's Kura Waka. She's 10. Her family are bringing her up in the ways of Te Ao Mari. We'll hear more from her mum later.
1: Kia ora ko um, hohepa uh toku ingoa. The interconnectedness of everything is a very big concept in Maturanga Māori um, that kind of connected back to Papatuanuku, Mother Earth and Ranginui, the Sky Father, and, and that everything is related to them Or You know, we are all their children, we are their uri, we are their descendants, so... That whole interconnectedness and connectedness stuff is all about making sure that we respect each other because we are all of the same, so we are all related, so we have to consider everything, not just us, I guess, because that's where we are at the moment in the world, is all about us, human human beings. Um, we don't really care about everything else. We see us as above everything else, um, whereas the Māori worldview, at least, who, those who believe in Papatūnuku Ranginui rangi being our primal parents, we are all connected in a big, fat fano, and that's how we see the world.
3: Hohepper is an educator at Auckland Zoo. His colleague is Richard Gibson, curator of ectotherms and birds.
0: New Zealand's special. Um, there are lots of places around the world that are special for their biodiversity, and one of the common factors of that is the rate of endemicity, so the, the number of animals or and or plants that occur in a, in a country or an island or a, a region that occur nowhere else. So that applies to New Zealand. New Zealand's bird fauna and its reptile fauna and its amphibian fauna and lots of its invertebrate fauna and a huge amount of its plant diversity is all found only in New Zealand. So that's really, I guess, uh, the significance of New Zealand fauna in 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 a grand scale. There are other components to that. So many of the species that we find here are also extremely unusual in terms of their evolutionary history. Um, perhaps the most famous is the, the tuatara, which everyone thinks of as a, a, as a big ugly lizard. But in fact, it's not a big ugly lizard. It's a moderate sized very beautiful Rhynchocephalian.
3: The language of Western science and Mātauranga Māori suggests two very different ways of thinking about the world. And in a sense, for much of our history, they've been talking past each other. I'm Noel McCarthy. And in this episode of Good Ancestors, we're looking at how these two ways of thinking intersect, how each can learn from the other, and what applying that looks like in the eyes of a family who walk between these two worlds.
1: Maturanga Māori is science. It's just shared in a different way, so we use stories. Could you unpick that?
3: How is it science?
1: Yeah, so, for example... um, the water cycle, I always use this as an example. So for us in the Western world, we talk about precipitation or rain and then collecting as big water bodies and then evaporation to make all those kind of things or so water cycle. In the Maori worldview, we talk about different atua or different gods. So there's an atua who's the goddess of clouds and then... The rain falls as another god, Ihorangi, to then be part of going down rivers is another Atua, Parafenua Mea, who's the Atua of fresh water that goes down to the oceans where they meet Hinemoana, who's the first Atua that is all about the food sources or the shallow seas, and then Tangaroa is the realm of the whole ocean. And then Hinepokohurangi and Hinerangi are the fog and the mist that go back up to Hine Kapua. So there's storylines between all of those Atua, all those beings, and that's how we explain that story.
3: Hohepa says these stories aren't just myths and legends. That makes them sound like fairy tales. They're part of the Maori way of understanding the world. And that offers deeper insights into how we interact with the environment. koe tangaroa koe. tangaroa koe she was saying
2: to us that the ocean talks to her, tangaroa talks to her.
3: Stacey Morrison's talking with her daughter, Mayana, the younger sister of Kurawaka, who we heard from earlier. What
2: I really like to see with the kids is how they personify the environment and that then they have a different relationship with it. So when they see tangaroa as an atua or as an energy, then it helps to relate to how the ocean may be feeling or how the ocean is impacted and just like people and that sort of way has ways of acting out when it's not well. So I see our kids have ways of relating to the environment that is not just one way, so it's not just what we do to the environment but what the environment tells us and I think Matauranga Māori helps us do that and
3: that's a big part of kaitiakitanga. That sense of ultra-long-term guardianship instils a sense of responsibility for the environment that stretches across generations. Stacey says her children's minds are open by participating in actions as simple as picking up rubbish or building a weta house. Over time, that leads into a sense of honour and responsibility. It's a role that sometimes requires hard calls. And it's a concept that's been at the forefront of Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's message to the world at the UN and the World Economic Forum. It's interesting. The message benefits from the messenger.
2: And I'm grateful to the Prime Minister for that. And so now we need to act that out on a daily basis. What does tanga look like? And it's that is a cross-environment, but that's also then um, giving that the mana to be able to enact. Say, I give the example of the rahui in Waitakere that was set by the haukainga, uh, the people of that area, the mana whenua, but then it wasn't recognised by DOC, and that just doesn't say that we recognise the mana of... And it's not just because we want to be a buzzkill and stop people going for walks on the tracks. It's because the kauri were and are suffering. So let's move together rather than go, oh, well, here the Māori go, stopping us from going where we want to go, when it's actually a that is logical and beneficial.
3: For everyone. Yeah. Do you think there's more hope in the future if you can identify the value in special ways of knowing things that Tangata Whenua have. You know, you're not just seeing this in New Zealand because other indigenous populations Mm. all over the world, that's starting to be acknowledged now, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I think if we utilise and respect indigenous knowledge, then there is opportunity to, I guess, not repeat mistakes of the past and to have combined knowledge it's just really important to look at the reality that um, we've deemed science to be more important than Indigenous knowledge. So what have we missed? And what can we now look forward and go, okay, by working together, we will actually see the entire picture. And some of these things are, are quite challenging for science, because they think, I can't put it in a beaker and say that the the ocean spoke to me you know mm-hmm. but I can see um, when I am connected to the environment that things aren't coincidences and they tend to then uh, reflect what's going on in the ecosystem so I'm grateful to see that ranga Māori is getting recognised and I guess validated uh, because we have had an issue that it's been sidelined in the past and there we just miss out on opportunities and we miss out on some knowledge uh, I guess it is a little bit hard to understand now in this in this world where we go to Google for everything, how they had this incredible ancient knowledge but even if you look at Waka building and how had fish scale technology that it took America's cut boats hundreds of thousands of years to pick up on but that was the most efficient way to do it and they knew that from a long time ago.
3: Richard Gibson says that while, as a left-brain guy, he's still getting his head around aspects of Matarangamari, there's no doubt it has much to offer.
0: I've worked in various places around the world and spent a lot of time in Indonesia and Caribbean and Madagascar. And I've never seen anywhere where the both the efforts and the success in integrating the local indigenous community and their thoughts and their beliefs is taken so seriously and actively. And I guess that's partly why it's new to me, because I've seen it in passing, but it's never really been a big deal. And here it is a big deal, and and rightly so.
3: Māori aren't the only culture to pass on important values to children alongside knowledge. But with an environment in crisis, the need for that is now more urgent than ever.
0: Culturally, if your family or your culture is not focused on that, then it seems to be... Less likely that a kid is going to grow up with that interest than, than, than if the culture and the community is focused on it. I'm glad to see that there is an upsurge of the kids of the world speaking out for themselves because they've seen us talk about it a lot, but reticent to actually really do very much about it. I mean, I've committed my whole life to conservation, but it doesn't really make any difference. It makes a difference to me because I'm a reptile man, a snake man, and, and doing something for reptiles and conservation is my form of religion, right? It's what, I, it's what I live for, it's what I do. But I know that all of it will have be been for nothing unless the powers of the world make some big differences. All the programmes I've been involved in around the world, they'll all be for nothing if we don't address the main issues, and the main issues are overpopulation and climate change and the fact that we run a world based on economy rather than on common sense.
3: The idea that we can simply dominate the earth to extract value from it has been based on ignorance or on bad faith, perhaps a bit of both. What we do next will be crucial.
1: Both the indigenous worldview and the western worldview takes you so far and then it kind of stops and for that further growth to happen you've got to then learn off each other and that's where we are at the moment. So where do we now build that bridge
3: As a community, coming to grips with our responsibilities, not just to ourselves but to our children and to our children's children, says a lot about who we are. And acting on that understanding doesn't have to be rocket
1: science. A couple of weeks ago I went back home to my iwi on the east coast for a taiau wānanga. They had all these keynote speakers who were talking about the effects of pests. Uh, We border the Rokumara Forest which is on the east coast there and they were just giving us evidence of how bad it is and we always are really good at managing the ocean down there but the the ngahere, the forest was neglected a little bit and we thought the forest is always going to be there, everything's okay until we found out that the deer and the pigs are actually eating everything at the bottom that there's actually nothing left on the undergrowth and the possums are eating the tops and so are letting out all the sun and drying out the whenua, the ground, so that's hard as concrete. And then when a rain comes, because the the Raukuma is um, nicknamed the Fiordland of the North Island because it's these sheer hills and steep cliffs and everything, so it's very hard to get to those areas. And they said that because it's now hard as concrete, the water's not holding. And so there's nothing holding the ground. So our rainforest, our forest back there is collapsing, which is going to then collapse our rivers and then onto the oceans, which we have been able to manage for so long. But now sediments coming down on all these cliffs are all slipping constantly. And there's that whole talk about 1080, for example. And for our iwi, we hunt all those deer and pigs. So we were like, nope, no, nope, nope, get away from it because we want to do trapping. But trapping has now become too dangerous. Some of the members of my iwi was this flick of a switch where they were way against a whole lot of different ways of managing the pest to now we just need to get on top of it because in a few years our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren are not going to be able to rely on the forest and the ocean anymore because it has all collapsed. <music>
3: In the next episode, we'll be talking about young people trying to make a change in the way we do things here in New Zealand and the effect that can have on places far away. Good Ancestors was produced by me, Noel McCarthy and John Daniel for Bird of Paradise Productions in association with Auckland Zoo, engineered by Andre Upston and hosted on The Spin-Off.
0: Kia ora e te he butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate.